Everton in the Community is renowned as one of the UK's top sporting charities and has been a leading Premier League community scheme since 1988. It doesn't just change lives, it saves lives with a proven track record of tackling Liverpool's deepest-rooted social changes, which is admired across the landscape of community sports development. Well, this week we're talking mental health as part of our Minds Pillar, and I'm delighted to have with me the charity's Deputy Chief Executive Officer, Mike Seller. Now, Merseyside is battling some of the UK's highest levels of poor mental health. The lifespan of mental health service users in our city is cut short by a staggering 20 years compared to the rest of the country. The stigma attached to mental health and not knowing what support is available can stop many people from accessing the help that they need. Under Everton in the community's Minds Pillar, we'll work to enhance community well-being through accessible support, including individuals living with dementia and caregivers. Mike, Everton in the community is renowned for its fantastic mental health provision, and we'll learn very shortly how this new strategy can develop and what's already in place. But I just want to speak about that, that, that shocking statistic there. The lifespan of mental health service users in our city is cut short by a staggering 20 years compared to the rest of the country. If you live until 60, that's a third of your life. If you live until 80, it's a quarter of your life. It's astounding. It is really staggering. And when I first read that statistic, I had to get in contact with, with the NHS just to make sure it wasn't a typo. And Really? Yeah, they came back and said, yeah, that's... That's correct, unfortunately. And it is, it's, it's crazy when you think a 20-year gap, it's absolutely crazy. And mm. do the challenge with that is that it's the quality of life for that person as well before they mm. do pass. Um, it's going to be of a much poorer quality. And this is partly why we do what we do. You know, we know that there are challenges out there with people's mental health and the struggles that people experience, but we're in a, such a privileged position whereby we can make a significant difference. And this is what we've been doing. You know, we launched our first mental health project 15 years back now. And 2008, we launched that project. And since then, the more we've delved into the whole space around mental health, the more we've realised that there's, there's more and more work that we need to do. Also, as part of that intro, Mike, I, I mentioned that Merseyside's battling some of the UK's highest levels of poor mental health. Why, why is that? It's, it's, it's complex. Um, part of it is due to the, the level of deprivation across Merseyside. Um, so across Merseyside, there will be certain pockets of deprivation, which is where people generally experience the poorer health outcomes. Mm. Um, and, and with that is that reduced life expectancy for people who are accessing mental health services. There are other, other challenges too. Like mental health in general is, is such a, a complex matter um, in terms of you know why people may experience poor mental health and, and others may not with the same situation. But a, a lot of it does come down to that level of deprivation. But there are some partners across the city region who are doing some fantastic work, but it is just a, a fairly difficult period of time. And, we have what's called deprivation amplification, whereas when things happen across the country, um, they will have a greater impact on those more deprived areas. Mm. It's a massive, massive challenge, isn't it? Now, the work that Everton community do with regards to mental health is, is from the outside looking in, second to none. We've got that People's Place facility, which is fantastic. So just tell us how the, how the Minds Pillar is actually going to progress that, because for me, it looks like you're doing enough, but clearly there's so much more to do. Yeah, yeah. 15 years we've been working in the mental health space. And as I say, the more we've, we've delved into that space, the more we've realised that the, the need is greater. And what also happens is over time, the, the need changes. So what we've seen over the last few years is obviously, we're, we're talking here today against the backdrop of the cost of living crisis. We've had the pandemic. 
there's a lot of uncertainty happening um, mm. nationally and, and, and locally. Um, and it's that change and it's that uncertainty which 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 kind of can have an um, amplification effect upon people's mental health. We're, we're seeing it constantly. We're seeing people walk in um, on almost a daily basis requiring support for their mental health and for various needs. So in terms of Everton Minds, what we're looking at doing is how we can better respond to that need as quickly as possible. And we just want to make it as easy as, easy as possible as well for people to access that, that support, make it as clear and, and simple as possible. Um, it can be a, a busy space. There are a lot of organisations working in that space for for ourselves, that face-to-face conversation with one of our staff members can make the world of a difference to, to an individual. I think one of the good things that Everton community are doing because of the, the the visibility of the mental health facilities, the new buildings is 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 helping to to break down, if not remove, the stigma because the stigma is still there, isn't it? High profile people will regularly speak about mental health. You and I have had this discussion before, Mike. It doesn't discriminate. You can be a multi-million pound footballer. You can be a primary school kid. Mental health doesn't care. But the stigma is still there. And, and I would imagine one of your challenges is trying to remove that stigma. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that stigma still exists and we, we, we see that. And it, it is an ongoing challenge, but it's something that we, we're constantly working towards to help tackle that stigma. And there's different ways that we're, we're working on to try to achieve that. So one is, as you say, having a physical presence in that L4 community. And over the years, we've, we've built more and more buildings. We've invested £13 million in that L4 area. And the most recent development is the people's place. And having that real beacon of hope in the heart of that community mm. is, is, is paying dividends and helping to tackle that stigma. And we've seen that with more and more people coming forward and accessing support for their mental health and being comfortable and confident speaking about their mental health. I know the part is improving mental health literacy, to help, helping people to understand the we all have thoughts, we all have feelings, there'll be different times throughout our lives where we'll have different challenges, whether we, you know, we, we lose a job, whether we lose a, a loved one, we will all experience those challenges and it's about being comfortable to to speak about how you feel, but also about knowing what support is available and making that support as easy to access as possible. So when people do need that support, it's, it's a much more seamless process to access it. If the challenge is, let's break down the stigma, let's beat the stigma, are we winning? Are we getting yeah, there? Yeah, great strides are being made and, and we, we, we see that now and we have to continue with that. Um, but yeah, across the country, we, we've seen we've seen great progress and, and this is somewhat why there's also a, a, a greater need now for more mental health services because more people are opening up and speaking about the mental health and reaching out to um, access services and that's increased the demand which is great but then we have to then support that demand and, and meet that demand but yeah great strides are being made and it's, it's been fantastic to see that and to see people speaking a lot more openly now about the mental health and how they're feeling um, so yeah, you know we we are winning that battle, but it, that stigma still exists. Just recently, we've had an interview that Deli Ali did with, with with Gary Neville, and even more recently, Richarlison spoke out about some of the difficulties that he's been facing. These are probably, for want of a better phrase, unwitting role models, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure that they're, they're doing it to help themselves, and quite rightly so. But because it's Deli Ali and because it's Richarlison, people will look at that and go, "Wow, if they've got issues and they can speak about them, surely I can." Yeah, yeah, it, it helps. It helps um, significantly, and it does help to normalise that conversation about mental health and normalise that we we all struggle with our mental health from time to time. And these are people that 
you know, they've been on the football pitch, they've done amazing things on the football mm. pitch, they're seen as hugely talented people. And if a general public look at these people and see them as having mental health challenges, it does help to normalise that and make people realise that nobody's immune from struggling with, with the mental health. But at the same time, there is support available and people can, you know, pull through and, um, you know, overcome those those difficult times. The People's Place is a fantastic facility, isn't it? It, it? It's such a, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a warm, friendly, welcoming place, which I'm sure it needs to be to to cope with it, with, with the issues that they have to cope with. But it, it's it's considering what it was 18 months ago, piece of derelict land, mm. and now it's like as you say, a focal point. It's it's amazing. It is absolutely delighted with the People's Place. Um, it was about five years in the time between launching the campaign and, and making that vision a reality. And, and what we have now is this amazing building there. Uh, as you say, it's completely transformed that, that area, which was a piece of dirt land, hotspot for antisocial behaviour into now what looks amazing, but serves such an important purpose. And we're seeing every day people access to people's place and you know benefit from the different services available. And, and that's what we want to be. We want to make sure it had this homely feel where it's, it's non-clinical, um, but we do provide clinical services and professional services if that is required. But essentially it's, it's a space where people can come and get involved in a whole range of different types of activities to improve their health, improve their well-being. Um, and people can get, get involved in a range of activities which are proven to improve your mental health mm-hmm. as well. So it could be physical activity, it could be learning opportunities. We have um, opportunities there on a one-to-one basis, a group-based um, level. And what we try to do as well is bring groups together. We know that isolation is a, is a huge problem, um, really severe consequences of, of isolation. So we know that if we can bring people together, it helps to tackle isolation as well. So across the whole organisation, we've got 60 different projects, each one support and different groups of people. And what we also do is identify people who who are at greater risk of developing poor mental health. So it could be military veterans, it could be people with long-term health conditions, people living with with dementia. And the idea behind it is you bring these people together, it gives that platform then for peer support and, and self-help. So they can share the difficulties, share the challenges and speak to people who may have walked a similar path and experienced those difficulties. And just having that conversation, and again, it, it normalises those challenges and difficulties, which helps them to improve. And sometimes people just need to take that first step, don't they? And then it runs itself then, it flows. Yeah, yeah. We've seen people, you know, come into the people's place in a really, really difficult situation and just getting involved in, initially having a chat with one of our staff members um, and then they get involved in a walking football session and then they'll come along week after week for, for, you know, months and they, they form, you know, new friendships. It gives them a bit of structure, a bit of routine in their, in their week. And, and that makes a huge difference. Mm. You know, a lot of the time we don't need professional help. It's just a case of having a conversation, meeting a group of people and yeah. having a game of football or, or whatever it is. And I think that's an important point to stress as well. It's not just, it's not just professional help. It's just, it's, it's genuine personal community help, isn't it? Just come in and join us. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like it, you don't like it, come and join us, come and have a go. Yeah, yeah. And what we try to put a broad menu on, as, as broad a menu as possible. So when people do come in, they can get involved in 101 different types of activities. Yeah. So it, it might be football, it might be sports in general, it might be something completely different. It might be art, crafts, different learning opportunities, a whole range of different types of activities that we, we can put on. And what we've also done is created this network across Merseyside whereby 
what you want to do is have someone come in and we can provide, for example, A, B and C, but they can also get involved in activities elsewhere, which provides X, Y and Z. And they come in at that face-to-face conversation and makes that transition from ourselves to another organisation as, as seamless as possible. Mm. I th- think the, the, the walking aspect of it is so, so important. And does the walking aspect apply to not, not just a mental health sufferer, but maybe a mental health sufferer's mate who could walk in and go, listen, I'm fine, but a pal of mine, I think, might need a little bit of assistance. It, does it work like that as well? Yeah, it appeals places there for absolutely anybody. And if someone needs some support for a, a family member, a friend, they can come in, have a, have a conversation with one of our staff members and get some support around, you know, what questions might be useful to ask um, and also, you know, how you can help them with what services are available. But they can also then go back to the friend and say, I've been to the People's Place today and it's yeah. it's a great venue. Yeah. You know, you could go, go down and really friendly, has this really nice homely feel to it um, and are doing some brilliant stuff down there. So go go along, I'll come with you. Um, but yeah, it's nothing to, to worry about. It's not any kind of daunting clinical setting. It's really, you know, friendly atmosphere really is, Mike. It's absolutely fantastic. And we're going to hear now from another Mike on how Everton in the community, in his own words, have saved his life. And just a warning that listeners may find the following case a little bit distressing at times. Hi, I'm Mike. I'm 41 years old. And I've been part of the Everton Veterans community for the past year. It was always dreamed the army's a massive drinking culture. I mean, it might be different now, but when I joined, certainly, I drink a lot. And then when I left the army, you sort of lose your identity in a way. So then you become lost. And then you, then everything becomes mundane. Everything becomes boring. Everything becomes normal. And you're like, oh, I don't like this. So I just, I used to finish work. I'd buy 10 beers and I'd buy a bag of cocaine. And that was a Friday to forget the week. So I'd, I'd, I'd do that, and then eventually that became Friday, Saturday, then it was Sunday, then it was Monday, and then before I knew it, every day of the week, I was drinking, taking cocaine, then I'd start smoking weed, then I'd take LSD, then I'd take MDMA. I'd just do anything I could to escape my reality that I was in because I was unhappy. I eventually come to a point where my, my, my wife couldn't sustain me anymore, and, and she she asked me to leave. I left initially and I was thinking, yes, because I can take drugs now without any consequence. And after about three days of that, and I was living on the streets, realized, I thought, you know, what have I done? I've chose this, I've chose this substance over my family, over my wife, over my kids. I'd signed up for Everton Veterans Hub and out of the blue, uh, Nikki from the Veterans um, Programme called me and said, how are you? And, and it was at that moment, it was almost like she was a, a, I get emotional saying it, but she's like a guardian angel to me because in that moment, it was very dark. I was in a dark, dark place. And that, just that one conversation with Nikki, it really, uh, it, I don't know, it gave me hope. It gave me hope that there was light at the end of the tunnel of I got clean, got clean, got sober, and I and learn who I am as a person, and that starts fundamentally from Everton in the community and from that one phone call. That still today, when I talk about it, it really does. It, it, I, I can't explain to you how much impact that's had. 
I started attending the Veterans Hub. So some that was just, ah, oh, you felt humble in your soul. You felt happy. It brought light to your soul. And then, and then I started volunteering for Everton. And I'd do the Veterans Group on a Friday uh, where we meet at 10 o'clock for a naffy break. And for a short time after as well, I did the new Dad's Group every other week. Being involved with Everton in the community. One, I'm an Everton fan. Two, I am... Um, it brings a light to your soul that it's un, unexplainable. And you meet absolutely amazing, wonderful people from all walks of life. For me, I'm paying it forward. Heaven saved my life. I'm, I'm forever eternally grateful for that. And I want to pay it forward. I just have to pay it forward. And, and this is me paying it forward. So if I help as many people as I can in whatever way, shape or form, then that's what I will do. Mike, that's yet another truly inspiring personal case here and you can just tell by the tone of Mike's voice that he's come out the other end he's come out the other side now yeah such a powerful case study there and mm. Mike speaks so so well about his his journey and the challenges he's, he's had and experience and it's brilliant to hear him as you say come out the other side and he's in such a, a much better place now because that that gives hope to the people you know Absolutely. people who might be in real difficult struggles as Mike has been there but he's probably felt isolated he's um, taking drugs and you know in a Even really a very very dark place yeah wasn't it? yeah you know we talked about how Everton saved his life you know you can't speak much more powerfully no, about no. you know the impact that Everton no has no gift you can give is there yeah I think, I think for me the real kind of key message from that is that there's always hope and mm -hmm. no matter what your situation is that you know you, you can come through it you're and not on your own there are people there to support you with that and you know one option is the people's place mm -hmm. um, we're not we're not speaking here as though the people's place is this panacea um it's the people's place is is one option it's a very very comprehensive yeah. option um and, and mike is a, a living example there of how everton has, has, has saved his life um and, and the veterans project in, in particular the way that, that nikki has done and i think one of the unique aspects of the veterans project is that it's, it's run by veterans too it's run yeah. by people that can understand what it's like to be in the forces and then to leave the forces go to that transition from the military life into civilian life and you know, experience those difficult challenges and, you know, it's going from a high-octane high lifestyle into a, you know, as Mike described, this, this mundane life, um, but also all the other challenges that, that, that come with it. And that veterans group gives people that identity back again. It creates that group for them and that camaraderie, which which is so important. It was the camaraderie I was going to mention because myself and Snods and, and Diamond have been down to the Blue Base to meet, uh, not just Nikki and, and and the people who run the the veterans projects, but the veterans themselves, and and they find it so so difficult to replace the regimental structure of their lives when they come out mm -hmm. of the armed forces. And as you say, this just gives them a little bit back. But it's it's the camaraderie because yeah, yeah. you know it, it, sometimes sometimes when 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 we're doing Q and A sessions, we don't really like it if people are talking over us. And but the banter mm. between those veterans that, that what they're doing is replicating what they had in the NAFI in the barracks. And, and, and it's great. We just let them get on with it. Yeah, yeah. And we try to recreate that as much as possible. Um, you know, we, we know the challenges that some military veterans will experience. And I think some of the statistics around it are really staggering. Again, I think it's one in four will 
uh, as a homeless population at X-Forces, um, about 10, between 10 and 12% of the prison population at X-Forces. So we know that these real difficult challenges, you know, when they come out of the forces, but the work that the Everton Veterans Hub are doing, and as you, as you say, Nikki in particular, it's, it's fantastic. And again, it's helping to save people's lives. It's improving people's lives. And that camaraderie is is such an, a, a key aspect of it. Just, you know, coming along, having some yeah. banter and spending time with people that can understand what you've been through in the past and, and, and what, you, what you need now. As we progress through this podcast series, the three pillars that Everton in the community have got, it's occurred to me, Mike, that some of the statistics involved are frightening. They're they're, they're absolutely intimidating. Do you ever sit down yourself and your staff and your volunteers and look at these statistics and think, wow, we've got some challenges here? We we do, we do. We're sometimes blown away by how staggering and how stark some of the the inequalities are. So you look at the Everton area, for example, you you look at the where we're based just by Goodison Park, people living there may die 13 years earlier than somebody living five miles away, six miles away. Yeah. That, that's that's crazy. Um, yeah. But also it's not only they live in a reduced life, but the quality of their life during those years is then much impaired as well. So it is, it is you know, really alarming when you see those statistics because those statistics, it's, it's a person, it's a person's life. Yeah. And, you know, what, what that does for ourselves is just gives us that real drive then to think, right, okay, what can we do to help address this? What can we do to support these people and to completely change that um, and turn it on its head? And that, that's that's why we do what we do it across the in, entire life course from early years, right the way through to older adults. And we've, we've, we've made great strides in helping to tackle those health inequalities and the various challenges. And, this new five-year plan is going to help us to, to do that to an even greater level and just seeing the different pillars merge together so you'll have minds working alongside Lanes and mm. working alongside Thrives. There's a lot of overlaps, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, overlaps between the pillars. So one person can access minds, for example, but at the same time accessing the next day Lanes and it's just providing that real comprehensive support to people because people are complex as well, you know, complex lives and, we need to provide that real kind of multi-pronged way of supporting them. Well, before we go this week, Everton in the community recently hosted a showcase event at Finch Farm where all of the Everton men's first team experienced the charity's delivery. And we managed to grab a few words with a few of the lads while they were taking part just to see how they were getting on. Mike, thanks very much indeed for sharing your experiences and sharing the vision of the project here today. And it's fantastic that Everton the community are, are, are again leading the way with mental health. Oh, thank you, Darren. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this Minds episode. Thank you for listening to all our podcasts in this particular series. And as always, if you'd like to find out more about Everton in the community or to donate, and that's absolutely fundamental to everything going forward, simply head to the website, www.evertoninthecommunity.org. www.evertoninthecommunity.org. There are many things that make us proud to be blue. Chief amongst them is Everton in the community.